Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Is All Geek To Me, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything geek-related. I'm Trey. Oh, boy, that must mean I'm Tim. I'm really happy you could join us today, and I'm really hoping you brought your floaties for the pool because we're diving into some Percy Jackson today. Not just the book, but the new TV show. Because you know, it is all geek to me. If it's a comic book or a comic movie, it's all geek to me. If it's some sort of game or a show on TV, it's all geek to me. Percy Jackson. Oh, yeah. The show is finally finished. Finally finished. Finished every episode, at least for the first season. Did you realize this is one of the first TV shows that have come out that we've actually finished on time the week it finished? I know. Like, I'm really (laughs) shocked because it's been a minute since I've been, like, keeping up with each episode. Um, (laughs) It's surprising. Like, I finished it on i think tuesday like i finished it the day the last episode came yeah. out is when i finished and so i was a little shocked that it worked out that way <laughs> yeah. overall what do you what do you think overall so we'll we'll start with the overall picture yeah so overall i i really enjoyed the show i thought it was a win um, I, it took me a little bit though to get in the rhythm of the show because I remember pre everything, right? Pre first episode, pre even trailers when Disney and Rick Road, Ryoden, Ryoden, Roden, so. Ryoden, I Rick never could Ryoden. say his last name. I know it's so hard. Um, when they announced the show, when they're like, Hey, there's a Percy Jackson show coming to Disney plus, like get ready. I was like, dude, heck yes. And I got excited. And then both him and Disney started saying, it's going to be exactly like the books. Like take page for page the books and that's what it's going to be in in the show. And that got me even more excited. And I was like, oh boy, like this is what I want. This is what I wanted when I was a kid and the movie came out, right? And I was ready for it. And then... So I, I, that was my, my mindset, right? That was my expectation. Like I was going to see the book that I grew up reading on the screen. And then the first couple episodes came out and I was like, this is, this is not the book put on the screen. Yeah. It's, it's different. And so it took me a good, like, I want to say two, maybe three episodes to get in the rhythm of being like, it's going to be different. They had to tweak some things to make it better on screen and that's okay. And so yeah. I had to get that mindset of like, this is not what I grew up with, but it's still going to be good. And once I got to that point, I was on board and I was, and I'm, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great show beginning to end. I, I wanted to see some certain things that I didn't like. They cut out some, some scenes that I wanted to have. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. What were your just overview thoughts? Overview? Oh, also, before you get into that, if you haven't seen the whole show, spoilers. And 
I would also say if you haven't seen the whole show, but you you are a little bit like there, like maybe f- episode five, six, stay with us. We're gonna go pretty much episode by episode, so you'll know when spoilers are really going to hit. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll try to stick with that. Um, overall, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think they they definitely had to have made changes to put it on a screen. You can't do word for word with the children's book like this. And it is a children's book. I think the kind of like Harry Potter. Children's book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like Harry Potter, though, each book progressively, I think, ages with the individuals reading it. And so hopefully we start seeing that in the show as well. But I think overall they did a really good job at adapting the book. And I would also say there are elements in this show that I felt were actually better than the book, but then there was elements I was like, no, I missed this from the book. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of foreshadowing in the show. Yes. And it, it works so well in the show, especially for people who've already read the series because they get these Easter eggs of, oh, that's really cool. But on top of that, it adds this level of world building to the show that you don't get in the books. 100%. And I think that's something that I, and I don't know for this for sure, but at times it almost felt like in the first book, looking back on it, that I don't know if he knew the full direction that he was going to go. Yeah. Like he probably had a broad strokes, right? Like he probably had the, the broad strokes of the overarching story. But I'm wondering if like some of the details and things like weren't written out yet, which makes sense. Like it's a five book series. Like you're not gonna have all the details for book four when you're writing book one. Like that just yeah doesn't make sense. And it makes so it makes sense now that he has the full story, details and all. He can make some tweaks to the to the original and be like, oh, I'm gonna put a little foreshadowing here. And it and like you said, I totally agree. It landed so well. And I actually think I'm I'm thinking of one of the first episodes, so I think we should hop right in. If yeah. you're cool with that. So um, the first episode titled I accidentally vaporized my pre algebra teacher. This would have this episode would have spanned, if we're talking about the book, between the very beginning to um wasn't it the end of the Minotaur for this episode? Yes, that's what it ended. So this one covers right. chapter chapter one, I wanna say. Maybe two? I'm trying to remember I think what one and two. happened. Because I yeah, think, I'm trying to remember because two chapter titles for the second one. Yeah. I'm actually going to just have the, the chapter titles up so that we can kind of refer to it. That's but good. I believe Sorry, second, listeners, we should have had those pulled up beforehand before we started recording. But we're going to leave it in because we believe in being genuine and not cutting out things that we forget <laughs> to pull up ahead of time. Um, but I was going to say there is a foreshadowing in this episode uh that i really enjoy and it is like in the first couple minutes because it's setting up the whole like percy learning through like his friends and his mom and like seeing things that he's a demigod um and there's a scene pre everything where he's hanging out with grover and they're looking at the mythomagic cards yes mythomagic and yeah, um, and Grover's like telling him like, oh, this is the Minotaur. This is this. This is that. And like kind of talking through things. And Mythomagic is not introduced into this whole universe until the third book. And, and that it has is a, with... It has a major character who's attached to it. 
Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm just gonna say it because we're, we're I'm not gonna beat around the bush. All right. Um, <laughs> because I I we're, we talk about geeky things here. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into those spoilers for the whole series. Nico no D'Angelo. Exactly. Nico, Nico D'Angelo, D'Angelo is a big Mythomagic player, and so I love that they introduce it here in the first episode. So when we get to season three and Nico comes in, he and he has the Mythomagic cards. It's yep. like, oh, I've seen those before. So I like that they foreshadowed that, um, and it made sense. It felt right. So, so with the first episode, I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. It actually covers four chapters from the book. So huh. it's, uh, I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Three old ladies knit the socks of death. Grover oh, yes. unexpectedly loses that. his pants. And my mother teaches me bullfighting, are the chapter names yes. in the book. And I this is all where... of that was not just like one or two chapters. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think <laughs> that's always where I like felt two chapters. <laughs> that's where I felt though this TV show I mentioned to you as we were kind of watching through it. The first two episodes for me, I honestly felt were a little rushed and I was a little scared for the rest of the show. Because mm. the first episode really only touches on him jumping around in schools, which really isn't in the book as much as it is in the TV show. And yeah, it's like a couple sentences in the first page. Yeah. And then you get the whole fight with his algebra teacher, who's actually a harpy, who is... Actually a fury. Fury, that's it. And in the show, it's very, very quick. In the book, yes. it's expanded out. The whole fight is him learning about Riptide and things like that. And then the show kind of just jumps right into him getting kicked out and then right into the bullfighting part, like Grover running in being, hey, we need to get you to camp. They're in a car. The Minotaur comes. And then uh, the whole thing happens with him fighting the Minotaur and then he's in camp. We never get the um, the three old ladies. We don't get the um, the fates. That's true. We don't get them in the first episode, um, like in the like in the book. Um, I didn't feel rushed though, um, like like you did, because I think they cut out some things um, that I I thought were good because, like the school, like him getting kicked out of school, like happens, but like his mom picks him up, and like they still go to Montauk. They still have like a, I think he still has a dream sequence, but it's slightly different than the book. Uh, like in the book, he sees the eagle and the horse fighting on the beach in that that point but it's already uh the creepy old guy with you know with the light and the you know you see that which is foreshadowing for later yeah um and so i like the the tweaks they made they made and it didn't feel rushed to me i actually felt like they did a good job at the pacing of the first of the first episode um personally so yeah. Is I mean, there anything else in chapter one that you felt like you wish you could have seen from like those first three or four four-ish chapters from the books? Um, not really. Actually, I felt like the first couple episodes followed, especially the first two, followed the books really well. Um, but not only followed it really well, but actually did a really got really good job of taking w- the pages and putting them onto the screen with adding a little flair of like you see blackjack in the first episode like you see baby pegasus in the very first episode and it's like hey that's like and you kind of know if you've read the books you know 
hey, that's Blackjack. Like you see him in a third book. Um, and so like little things like that, I think they do a really good job of foreshadowing. And I think they do a good job of setting up the world because like I also never was like, oh, you know, he's seeing things everywhere because they kind of mention it, but you kind of forget about it in the book until yeah. they're on their adventure. And so I think this did a good job of being like, no, he sees these things everywhere, like good things and bad things. Um, and so I thought they did a really good job of showing that. But I thought the whole first two episodes did a really good job of of setting the scene and following the book really well. Yeah. Even with some differences. I would agree. Um, to a point, like I said, I, I do think it's a little rushed for me. I, I wish that we could have yeah. seen the fight a little bit more with uh electo the fury it um, was a very quick fight you are right with right about that like it was a very quick fight and they do change how the fight happens because like in the book they're in like the back of the museum in the tv show they're in the front of the museum in front of everyone yeah. and so it's like a couple little changes um but like the one thing that i i didn't like at first but made sense later was in the book after percy gets riptide he gives it back to Chiron or Mr. Uh, Brenner. Yeah. Um, and in the show, he doesn't do that. Like he keeps the pen and he keeps the sword. And so that's something at first I was like, man, like he's, he's supposed to give it back. Like that, that's, that's a part of the book. Cause he like, you know, Mr. Brenner gives it to him later and it's this cool moment. But I actually later looking back on it, really enjoyed that they didn't do that. And they kind of cut that out Yeah, because it, they're more pressed for time in the show. And so that was a thing that they could cut out that's not as important as other things. And, and I think so, that worked worked for their, their benefit, this time crunch that this first season has. It works because it does make it feel where you can kind of cram some of this into one episode because it makes it feel like it needs to happen. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I do. I do wish the first two episodes were a little longer. Um, they were like, I think sub 40 minutes, um, was yeah. the first episode. I think it was around 38. And so I was like, man, I do wish it was a little longer. Um, just so like you could flush some things out, but I do disagree. Like, I don't think it felt rushed to me. I thought they actually paced it really well. Um, but that's just, that's just yeah. me. Well, moving on to the second episode, cause I think there's a lot more here that we can talk about too. We have yeah. the episodes called. I become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. Uh, this one actually is only, I believe, three. No, it's not. It's, it's another four. Uh, I play, um, I can't say this word, Pinocchio. Oh, it's um, um, Pinochle. Pinochle. Why could I not think of that? <laughs> to be fair, every time I see that word when I read the books, I always am like, what is this word again? Because <laughs> well, so, I've also never played Pinochle. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I'm like, I'm right there with you. It's a weird word unless yeah. you've like played it before. So that's chapter five is I play Pinnacle with a horse. Six is I become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom. Seven, my dinner goes up in, in a smoke. And eight is we capture a flag. So this one, this episode has another four chapters associated with it. And they're big chapters. I play Pinochle, Pinochle with a horse is all about learning who he is as a demigod. Supreme Lord of the Bathroom is his nemesis, Clarice. Oh, Clarice. Dinner, 
dinner goes up in smoke is learning about kind of the gods and how they are related and the relationship with the demigods. And then we capture a flag is a massive chapter, like probably one of the turning points in the book. And yet we get it all in one under sub 30 minute episode. This one's actually 43 minutes. All right. Four, still under, still under a little short minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Still a little short. I can definitely see where you're going. Cause I, there was a couple things in this one that they actually, I wish was in, was in this episode, but they showed clips of it later, later in the show. In like foreshadow or flashbacks. Flashbacks. Yeah. So it's in the very last episode, they show scenes that I wish was in this one. Um, because a lot of these four episodes, uh, four, four chapters in the book were like the day-to-day life of camp. And it was like, oh, we go to archery class. We go to this. And you do see glimpses of that because they're trying to find what he's good at. Right. Yeah. And so you see him shoot the bow. You see him do a couple little things like that. But like I was really looking forward to the sword fighting um, scene in the sword arena where like he ends okay. up dueling Luke and he like pours the water on his head like Luke does and then him and Luke fight and it shows actually how gifted Percy is with a sword, um, which sets up later in the, in the series in the whole overarching book series, how good he becomes with a sword. Yes, Um, because he becomes an amazing swordsman. And so I am bummed. They cut some of those scenes out, but again, I think just pressed for time. Um, This one didn't necessarily feel, feel rushed to me. But this is where it kind of started for me where I was like, man, I wish I had that scene. Oh, I wish yeah. I had this scene from the book. Um, with So this with is kind of where it started for me. With the show, though, it's weird because I'm the opposite. I felt this is where even with being all those things crammed into it, I really like this episode and the narrative oh, thread that they did with it because they change a lot in this episode from the book. Mm-hmm. Um I think the first and foremost would be Annabeth and Luke. Yes. Like Luke becomes such a more prominent role in Percy's life in the show than the book. Cause it's Annabeth in the book that shows him around camp shows, tries mm-hmm. to figure out what he's good at, um, walks around with Grover. It's Luke here that kind of takes him under his wing and be like, we're going to find what you're good at for the glory of just glory. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and that's something that they added in too was the fact that Percy in, in these first couple chapters is trying to gain, you know, glory to get the attention of his dad. And that was something never really like mentioned in the book in like these at least these first, you know, five, ten chapters. And so it was like it was interesting that they added that in there, especially because Luke always like and it's undershadowed and like hinted at in these first eight chapters in the book that he doesn't like his dad. And yeah. so it was interesting that they added that in to the show, even though it works narratively. Cause I agree. I actually really enjoyed this episode. So now one of my favorite parts of this episode is also a sad moment because I, I wanted more. I wanted so much more. Mm. And that's with Mr. D. <laughs> any okay. scene, any scene so with Mr. D was the best i think they picked the perfect actor for it it was i'm going to say his last name completely wrong i know i'm going to (laughs) um his name was jason 
Manazokas. Manazokas. I know him as Adrian Pimento. Adrian from- Pimento. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Dude, yeah. As soon as he came on, I was like, I forgot he was playing Mr. D. <laughs> and like, you're, you said it perfectly. Every scene he's in is absolutely perfect. It's just yeah. so good. It's exactly um, what I imagined yeah. from the book, too. Like, just his personality of always calling Percy's name wrong. And exactly. the fact that they added, this wasn't in the book, but they added a whole scene with him pretending, oh, yeah, I'm your dad. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good yeah like i really enjoyed that because like that's exactly like you said that's exactly how i pictured mr d like it was awesome yeah and so and like is he was drinking diet coke yep. like it was great <laughs> really loved it so yeah i'm right there with you um we also get i i would like your kind of opinion on this we also get another world building moment here that we don't get in the books so during the time where luke i believe it's the scene where luke is kind of telling them about oh you burn your offering in order to give mm-hmm. it like the scent to the gods they like it well in this moment he also talks about thalia who is not mm. ever mentioned in the first book in fact she is not mentioned in the books until the end of the second book she's mentioned in this one in the first book, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, because they mentioned, mentioned. Yeah, because uh, during, it's it's later on. It's not this early, but they mention her when they're on the adventure already, and like Grover talks about like his like why this quest is so important to him because he's That's like, right. man, this is important to me because I Was failed she my last one. Though? Yeah, they said Talia. Okay. Well. Um, and it, it all, also links to to Annabeth. I'm going through it right now, so <laughs> I'm reading it currently. <laughs> well, she doesn't become a major role until the second. Yeah, the she's second just one. mentioned by name yeah. like once or twice in the book. So it's not yeah. a lot. You are right, but I do like how they mention it. So I do like the scene you're describing. So you should go on. Yeah, it's a great scene. It's Luke basically describing why Annabeth is the way she is, which is an interesting tactic for a tv show because for me my number one thing that i i would say is my least favorite part about this show is annabeth's character arc i i would wanted to see more like i didn't feel like it was it felt very abrupt like there there is moments in the show where like oh yeah now she's she's the annabeth we know but i think leading up to it it, it just felt kind of like an uphill battle trying to like almost like her. And I was like, I know I like yeah. this character, but right now I just don't. Yeah. And I, I think this is, and I was going to kind of get into this um, once we get into a round episode, like four, like actually five. Um, but they cut out some scenes, especially around that point that I'll mention that, that really are important to her character development um, because when you first meet her, she is very tactical, and she's tactical throughout the entire like book series and and through this as well. But they make her almost like cold hearted in in the show, yeah. Um, especially in the first couple episodes, and especially when they start their adventure in episode three, um, Percy literally says, "I picked you because I knew you would not like you would be willing to kill me yeah. to finish the mission." And it's like, dude, like, okay. Annabeth in the book, I don't think would ever have been at that point. No. Um, 
And there's actually a scene in this episode in uh, I Become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom where they play Capture the Flag. Yes. And they tweaked this scene. And I think this tweak is a, it's a minor tweak, but I think it's a very important part of her character. Um, it's the part where Percy's actually getting attacked by Clarice and the other people from Cabin 5, which is the Ares cabin. And he's fighting them by himself. It's like four on one. Yeah. And he ends up beating them. And he ends up getting hurt in the process. But then Annabeth takes off her invisibility cap um, afterwards. And in the book, well, in the show, she's like, hey, good job. And he's like, you were there the whole time? And she's like, yeah, but you didn't need my help. Mm-hmm. And that's like, okay, dude, like, he's fighting four on one and you were there just watching? Like, that's yeah. not cool. <laughs> like, that, even though he won, he he did get hurt and he did, you know... Like, he almost lost a couple points. And so, I was like, okay, that's not cool. In the book, and this is the part I think is important, she was making sure they won, which is tactical. You know, it's it, that makes sense in my head. But she did mention in the book, she's like, but I came as fast as I could to help you because I knew they would go after you. And I think that very small change from I came as fast as I could to I was watching the whole time is very small but very important. It changes the character a little bit. Well, it changes it drastically. It changes her empathy. Like, yeah, just it the shows way that she has like, massive empathy. Yeah, I would agree there. I, I didn't. I also didn't like the next scene. Like immediately after, where it makes sense. She's a daughter of Athena. She would totally already at this point, right after the bathroom scene would know that Percy is the son of Poseidon immediately. Yeah. The books I mean, it's do very a good obvious job. in the book. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very obvious in the books, like as oh, you're yeah. reading it. <laughs> but like in the books, it's obvious, you know, uh, Annabeth knows and she slowly starts kind of revealing it. And then of course, at the yeah. very end, the big reveal in the uh, river in the show, I didn't like it. I didn't like that. Yeah, Annabeth was like, either. um, like going in to help him up or like something and there's like she shoves sorry him about the this river. and yeah it just shoves him and like yeah. you didn't need to do that like that yeah it, it felt more of her being i need to prove that i am right and yeah not a more of a friendly like hey i i think i know yeah and i and i think there's an important piece missing too cuz in the book it happens because a hellhound appears i think that's a huge so a hellhound appears missed. Yeah, and it's this huge moment because a hellhound's this massive creature that is like really hard to kill, especially for like new adventurers. Like Percy just got there literally like a couple weeks beforehand. And in that moment too, she also goes, Percy, get back. Like tries to protect him. And then the hellhound leaps over, claws Percy's chest. He almost is like dying. And that's when he's like, Percy, get in the river. And that's when he heals. Yeah. Um, which is then revealed to everyone that he's the son of Poseidon. And so I think that's an important moment too, not only for her character, because one, again, it shows that empathy. It shows that she cares about him as a person. Um, But then spoilers for if you haven't finished the book or you haven't gotten to the very last episode, um, I'll wait a second for you to either skip over or whatever. Um, It's revealed in the very end that that Luke is the <laughs> is the bad guy. I waited a couple extra seconds. Uh, that Luke is is a, a traitor. 
Yeah. And he's the one that is causing all of this. You know, he stole the lightning bolt. He did all that stuff. He also summoned the hellhound in the book. I think and it's another big, big reveal. Book. Yeah. And I, and like, you don't realize it until the very end of like, man, Luke was willing from the very beginning to summon a hellhound to, I, to, to either start this whole quest or just kill Percy straight out. Yeah. Like either one worked for him. And so I think it's a big moment too, because it, it shows Luke's true motives of his lack of empathy in this moment, yeah. while it also shows Annabeth's empathy. So, and I think changing it in the show, it works for the narrative they're going with, but I think it just made Annabeth seem more cold hearted without having moments later in the show to redeem that. Yeah. Because of the time crunch. And there, there's more, like we're only on episode two of eight, so we're going to move on. But there, <laughs> yeah, there is on. more in <laughs> this sorry, episode. I'm, I'm oh, you're all good. A lot. <laughs> there, there's so much more that they changed. Like another one is like Grover. He learns about um, Sally not being actually dead through a group of people we don't see until the third book uh, known yeah. as the Cloven Elders. Um, really cool. Great world building because it, increases his plot yes but like there's elements there that are added and i think it does add more but like we just said like with the hellhound there was also things that had to be taken away that felt like yeah. they were needed i will say i feel like it gets better from here so the things that they add and they subtract i think i'm on board with from the uh the next episode on with a few caveats yeah, I think, I don't know. I go back and forth. And so as we discuss, I, my opinion may change. Um, but I literally, I quite literally go back and forth on some of the things they take out, some of the things yeah. they add. Um, I will say Grover's character in the overarching show is amazing. They do Absolutely. a great job at his character. And I really, okay, and I will say we did harsh on Annabeth's character in the show a lot just now. I actually really enjoy her character. I really yeah. enjoy her, the acting for the big three in, in this show, amazing. Like, by, those by three kids end, did an amazing job. By the end of the show, Annabeth is Annabeth from the book. Yes, Like, for exactly. me, like, I would I would not change the actors they picked. I would not change not what they all. do. But it wasn't until the very end that I was like, okay, this is the Annabeth I know, and I'm comfortable and ready for the next season. And, yes. like, her arc that she'll have from here on out, because, honestly, Annabeth has one of the biggest arcs. From, she has a great arc. Yeah, for the whole series I'm talking about. Yeah. But episode three, we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. This covers I Ruin a Perfectly Good Bus. So chapter 10, or no, sorry, chapter nine, I Am Offered a Quest. Chapter 10, yes. I Ruin a Perfectly Good Bus. Chapter 11, we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. So this one's only three chapters instead of four. And it works. Um, this one does work well. Um, it's because they cut out an entire chapter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. it covers three chapters, but it's really only two. Um, you get that they dark. They don't even touch the bus. Like the whole like lightning bus. Oh, I guess they do for ha- they do for a little bit. Part of it. Part um, of it. That's the, I ruined they, the perfect like, they take a whole. They take a whole chapter and they go. Whoosh, <laughs> and they yeah. do that. So and, and they also change elements of the garden gnome that makes it shorter. They and do change a lot of it. So we first get the prophecy, which I think goes almost identical to the book. Aside yeah, from it's great. Aside from the Oracle taking on the form of in the book, 
it takes on the form of all of the poker kind of people and not just um i can't think of it gabe in the tv show it makes sense just use one person don't confuse it yeah it's it's faster it's clean it's streamlined and i do like that change i think that change works a lot better for the visuals of the show and i think they did great and i also think the visuals i'm talking faster because we because i spent a lot of time talking (laughs) the first couple chapters yeah um the visuals of that whole scene was perfect i'll leave it there i'll keep it simple yeah i honestly (laughs) i don't have a lot to say with the next two like this one in the next episode because the actress they have for medusa great actress i think she did really well with medusa the things they changed such as um not using the shield and the reflection like the actual mythology kind of story and using annabeth's hat and like in order to defeat medusa i think was a smart move yeah i think it was really smart and i think the whole thing with percy sending it off to olympus same thing in the book perfect um, Again. was great and i think they added more depth to it with the upcoming chapters of not only zeus being pretty mad about it but athena and kind of being angry at annabeth which i don't remember if that was in the book or not it was not because it actually added the whole in the fourth episode of i punched my death they visit the st louis arch which they do in the book but they added the whole fact that it was in a temple to Athena Yes, in the show, and that's not in the book. So I do like that addition, but I'm actually, I disagree with you. I'm not a fan that they made Athena mad at Annabeth for doing that. Yeah? I, yeah, I just, I don't know why it just didn't sit with me. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because in the book it's not that way, and it just felt, because that's what it is, it felt forced to me. Um, it felt like they forced away to make it to where the chimera and echidna can get to them and the arch since they added a cool element. So I think if they, if they made it a temple, but took out the one line that Annabeth says of, Oh, echidna and the chimera can't get in here. If they took out that one line, I think I would have been, it would have been perfect scene. Um, I also think that whole thing felt forced to me. I think it adds to this ongoing theme that they did in this show and not the book of the messed up family dynamic of the gods and how they're yes. always at each other's necks. They they don't have empathy. They don't have this. They're always seeking revenge. They're always looking out for themselves. And I think it adds to that because Athena, being the goddess of wisdom, if she is the one getting mad and like getting resentful and kind of in spite being like, no, they can go in my temple. They messed with us. I think it adds to that dynamic of this is a messed up family and it's Percy who is the one that has to present that to them. It's like, hey, are you guys even seeing this? Yeah. Are you even seeing what you're doing? Yeah, and I, I definitely see that. Um, I, just, I wasn't as big of a fan of it being so blatantly That's in it. your face uh, because I feel like it come, that arc comes later. Because like that arc is actually very important in I'm gonna say book four and five, um, where like Kronos is on the attack, and Percy's like, dude, like you're mad at your brother Hades for no reason, 
And Hades is mad at you guys for no reason, just because you guys are all messed up. Yeah. And so I feel like that comes important later. And I'm I'm worried that since they're making it so blatant in your face now, it's going to almost be overdone by that point. Gotcha. If that makes sense. So, yeah. So I think it just kind of felt a little forced to me in this episode. But I do like... I do like this this episode overall. My one critique with this episode is it felt short. Um, oh, it felt very short. Yeah, I mean, it's 33 minutes, and it felt even shorter um, because not a lot happens. And I think they did too many changes in this episode, and I think this is, for me, this is where a lot of the changes start happening, where I started noticing a lot of them um, because like they made it to where the Chimera started attacking them on the the train. Yeah. And now they had to find a new way to get further west. When like in the book, the Chimera didn't attack them until they were at the top of the arch, which I think could like would have worked fine on the screen. Like I think if they had the train stop for, you know, refueling and all that for a couple hours in St. Louis, which is a very normal train trip thing to do to stop at a station for a couple hours, it would have been fine. And they could have had the Chimera attack them at the arch and they still could have made it a temple. They still could have made it all those things. Um, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of it, you still could have done it. And then you could have had them get back on the train afterwards. But I, this episode just felt short to me. That was my biggest complaint about it. But visually, I thought it was really cool. Like seeing the chimera, seeing the, you know, the explosion, the arch. I do like the change of the water spout grabbing Percy. Um, cause that wasn't in the book. And And a lot of people, that was also one that I was going into is like, okay, well, how's this going to work? Because it's nowhere near the river. Like, if he was yeah. to jump off, he would die. Like, there's no river. <laughs> um, so that made sense with what they did. I would agree with you, though. It felt short. And for me, this is the the weakest episode. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. 100%. So, but from the weakest one, I think we get some of the best episodes, which are like the next two. And so... Yeah, I do. I do really enjoy the next two episodes. We have A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. So this one has chapters 15 same name 16 or no actually this is only one chapter in the book yeah yeah so they actually they spend the whole episode on one chapter which is so good so it's all about aries coming and the way they do it i think works so well they change one thing from what i could gather from the book well two one is there's no mechanical spiders in this chapter Yes. That the book had, but the, the show didn't. And the other is we get some time with Aries and Grover just talking that we yes. don't get in the book. And it's so good, especially with the actor who plays Aries. Perfect choice. 100%. Yeah. Like you mentioned it and I was going to mention in this episode. That was one of my favorite changes. Because that whole moment between Grover and Ares, and I honestly like watching it, I still don't know if Grover was lying to Ares or I know, not. right? Like, I'm like, I don't know if he's being truthful. Because the whole scene is is Grover sitting there and being like, man, I love your work. Like, I love your deep cuts of like this random war, this random war. The ones that ended like, after like an hour <laughs> yeah and he's, and he's like dude like no one died and he's like yeah but it was awesome and so like <laughs> just these random wars and it, it like i got the vibe of when like a fan of like a random indie artist or like an old rocker that's been around for like decades that's like kind of no longer going on tour anymore like a fan is like dude 
I love this random obscure album that no yeah. one listens to. He's like, your soft, like alt jazz album, my favorite. Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. And it was awesome. Like it was so good. Um, that whole scene and dynamic, like it was great. Absolutely. And it, it worked as just juxtaposition with like Annabeth and Percy's story that they were going to Waterworld trying to find the shield. And we get Timothy Omunson, I think that's it. Um, Close enough. From Psych. Um, as Carl Festus. And that's the other change that they kind of do. They don't have the mechanical spiders that freak uh, Annabeth out, but they do refer to her fear of spiders later on. They do. Um, but we get this whole scene of Percy sacrificing himself in order to continue the mission. And Annabeth, this is where I think her character for me switched and it started making more sense that this is Annabeth. She would not leave until she could rescue Percy. And we really don't see that in the book in this chapter as much with what they did. Because if I remember yes. correctly, this is like, aside from the actual love tunnel, this is a whole new scene that they added uh, from the book. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, this whole scene with Hephaestus, like Hephaestus isn't actually seen, like has dialogue in the book until the fourth. And yeah. so seeing him in this, and I think Timothy Olmanson or however you say it, did an amazing job. Like, mm -hmm. and you can definitely still see he, he's, he's still recovering from the stroke he has. And I don't know if he'll ever be where he was pre-stroke. It, it kind of works but for it, his character. Exactly. It worked so well for Hephaestus and I'm really excited for the it made me excited for the fourth season and made me very hopeful that we like that we get a fourth season because I want to see more yeah. of his more of that acting because you see him majorly in the fourth book um I I'm really bummed they took out the metal spiders in this I know we've talked because, about this yeah because for me and I mentioned this earlier I think this is one of those other moments where it showed the humanity that Annabeth had and they do a good job with the whole speech that she gives to Hephaestus about like, I'm not going to leave him. He's different. Like, you know, everyone's crazy and selfish, but he's not that way. And it, it does a good job. They do good. But for me, the like, and this is just a personal opinion. Like, and again, I like, I like what they did. So don't get me wrong, but I really enjoyed the metal spiders because it showed her weakness in a very cool way. And it like, yeah, didn't humble her but it showed her her weakness and it 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 binded her and percy together in a really cool way that like both of them are like present in that moment because like the speech was really cool but percy didn't hear a word of it so he has no idea that she went to bat for him besides just him being released yeah and so i love that like he saw uh her fear of the spiders and they had that bonding moment of like hey thank you so much for for taking those spiders out when I couldn't. And I love, I love that moment in the book. And so I was really bummed that they didn't have it, but I do like what they did instead. So yeah. and it's I like a consolation prize. I'll imagine they'll add it somewhere in the upcoming seasons. If they do them, uh, which I hope they do, but just the whole element of this episode, I think just works on the fundamental level. And Agreed. Especially with Ares at the end, just sending them off their way to Vegas to a new development that was not in the book, which was, hey, 
Hermes is that way. Go find Hermes. And, and he'll get you the actually, rest of the way. Yeah. And so that's where we get the next episode. We take a zebra to Vegas, which covers, once again, one chapter. We take a zebra to Vegas. Yeah. And it does it well um, with the caveat of, I don't know if I really, this is one of those iffy, I don't know yet if I liked it or not, that we got mm-hmm. Hermes in this episode. Yeah, I, I go back and forth, but I actually, I think I land on, I enjoy the the change. Because in, in the book, they accidentally stumble in, and it's almost like obvious it's a trap. Like, yeah. They in the book they stumble into this hotel. They're like, "Hey, here's your room key. Here's these unlimited cash cards. Like, have fun, kids." And it's like, "Okay, you live in a mystical world where things are trying to kill you. Like, even if you're in the mortal world, if some random person gives you a room key and an unlimited cash card, you're like, you're trying to kidnap me." Yeah. So like, it it felt it felt better in the show, in my opinion, that they were going there for a reason. And that and they I knew also, it was a trap. That they knew it was a trap, yeah. And I also liked that at the end of the episode, it showed like Grover forgot everything and was locked into the to the whole trap. And Annabeth and Percy weren't. And I liked that it was because like he was alone and they mentioned that. He's like, well, it was probably because you were alone. And I like that they added that in there because it really binds the three of them together and it really like helps their trio. Yeah. Um, come together and so i actually really enjoyed that so i think i overall like the changes in this episode even though it's different i i will say the one the one other thing i like i said go back and forth part of me is like they really didn't need hermes in this season he wasn't really that important but the other part of me is like you know adding that element of why does luke hate hermes why why is this relationship strained? And adding that to season one, adding it to this book for future development, I think was a smart move. Especially since for those who have read all the way through the series, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's a major thing in the last book. Like this is a, yeah. div- every book has to deal with some sort of trauma of Luke and why he hates the gods and Hermes specifically. Mm-hmm. And, it was a smart move, including him. Yes. It's just hard because as a book standpoint, I liked what the book did. And I like that they didn't have him. And so it's just one of those wishy-washy things for me. Yeah. I And I, I will mention kind of piggybacking off what you're saying. I do enjoy the foreshadowing because like the fact that they mentioned May Castilian, mm-hmm. like was awesome. Like they mentioned that they like added more ground like you said to why luke doesn't like his dad that they don't have in the first book that i think will help later on and i didn't catch it but apparently you hear nico's voice in this episode apparently yeah you hear him yell bianca yeah and so you hear him yell bianca and like i don't know if he actually runs by but you just hear him in the background and i love that they they're again that world building that i think is going to be really helpful later on so I really like the. I actually enjoy the changes in this one. I think they do a really good job um, at the changes. So, those are my two senses. All right. Well, I'm just yeah. gonna let's combine the last two episodes because they're big episodes. They are. Um, and I will also say because 
episode seven really ticked me off. Um, <laughs> okay. So talk to me right. about it. The last the last two episodes are called "We Find Out the Truth, Sort of," and "The Prophecy Comes True." Between the two, I believe it's about six chapters. So we we shop for waterbeds. Annabeth does obedience school. We find out the truth, sort of. I battle my jerk relative. I sell my tab, and the prophecy comes true. So six six chapters in two episodes. Before we get into it, I will say the end of We Take a Zebra to Vegas actually pissed me off. Um, and I think I landed on it. Because the whole point of like when they were like, you pa- like you stayed too long at the casino, the timeline oh, is yes. like... The timetable has expired. Like you failed, you you took too long. Um, the deadline is passed. I didn't like that personally. I liked it. So I know you do, and I I don't. I didn't. Reason being, <laughs> so. re- reason being is it adds another dynamic to Percy where we don't see it until like book two, book three, but we get the uh, we get to really see Percy's dedication to his friends and family, where. Yeah, they're already going to war, but Percy, he truly believes if he finishes this and he he doesn't not finish anything. Like he's going to finish his quest even if it failed. But he truly believes if he finishes it, he can stop it even if it's already started. And so it's this element of Percy of dedication and just grit that I think we needed in Percy at this level because from the first episode until now, we see a Percy who, yes, he's willing to sacrifice himself, but it's almost in a way of, I'm not good enough, you are better than me. So let me take the brunt of it because you guys can finish it. This is the first time that we see the opposite of Percy now saying, no, this is my, this is my, chore this is what i want to do and i'm going to see it through and i just i love that and you don't get that if he still is doing the mission because at that point if it hasn't failed he's still just doing it because he was told to see that makes sense but i disagree because i think i love that you get that later i love that you get that side of percy later because you are you, like, I think you do see his like determination and his like, I think his willingness to sacrifice himself is what you said. But I think it also is his like, this is the best way it's going to get completed. Um, but I think they're rushing it a little bit because in my opinion, he's not there yet. Because he at this point in, in my overarching story, in my opinion, is still I need to rescue my mom. And I, and I think he's still around there. And, and so I, I think if you take away, in my opinion, if you take away the quest at this point, he doesn't care about the Master Bolt yet. And so I, so that's what kind of my opinion. So I think I, I didn't like it. So I think, I think it took away some of the, like, in my, in my head, it took away the stress. Because I was like, well, okay. Like, what's the point now? you know and so that was my that was my two cents um but it kind of like it unfolds a little bit more because when i first saw that i was like oh i might like this i might not like this it kind of depends on how the next two episodes go and so i let's dive into it because yeah. i probably will end up talking about it a little bit <laughs> so 
with the we find out the true sort of they go to the underworld um yeah. and we get that whole scene with cerberus and uh crusty who's the waterbed guy loved it fun fact that actor is the same one who played Chiron in the actual movie that they did. I was wondering why he looked so familiar. Yep. So he played oh, Chiron, but now funny. he played Krusty. Um, and we get to yeah, see the fields. Fun. We get to see Cerberus, Tartarus. We get to finally kind of see where Kronos is. And for the most part, this is all pretty straightforward from the book. They do change a little bit of things, but I do actually really enjoy this episode overall. Yeah. Um, the fields did definitely did not look how I pictured them in my head because even even in the book they almost described them as like freeways, which is people walking. Yeah. Um, the change that I didn't like was that Annabeth left early, and she didn't go through the whole dialogue with um Crone with not Cronus with uh, Hades. Uh, Grover and Percy like that whole conversation in Hades um, house she didn't go through that and so that was something that actually really bummed me it was I was like man like I'm bummed that she left early um, it's not important yeah. it's not like make or break but it just kind of made me sad the, the other thing that I think they did change because once again remind me you've you're reading it more recently than I am wasn't um persephone in the book i don't think at this point um i haven't quite gotten there or in is the that book. in book four it's in book four for sure because okay. her and um i want to say it's hetica but it's not um persephone's mom is gotcha there as well um because of the the war that's brewing um gotcha. i aside that aside from that then because I thought she was in this. Maybe it's because she, she was might in the be. movie. I um, might. We might on our next episode because I will probably have finished it by then. Uh, give an update, and I might be able to go. Yes, she was, or no. <laughs> so I'm like two chapters away. <laughs> I, I really loved Hades once again. The actor. Yes, I think he was. He he flips the role where in the books do it too, but he does it really well. The actor does where. You believe Hades is supposed to be this big, menacing, I'm the god of the underworld. I want to take over everything. I do want to be the king. I want to take over from Zeus. And then you see him and you're like, that's not this guy at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, I love Doctor just does so well. So good. Yeah, like I totally agree. Um, I love his just like, do you want some pomegranate juice? Like... Do you want to take a seat? Like, chill, yeah. dog. Like, I'm not here for it. And I love that, like, even the whole, like, start of the conversation is, like, you give me what I want and I give you your mom. And he's, like, I can't give you the Master Bolt. Like, I'm sorry. And he's, like, I don't want that. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And I love that that's the conversation. And so I totally agree. I think this episode does a good job of pretty much doing the exact same thing as the book. Um, the one change that I'm like, what was the point of this was they gave him the four pearls and in the book, they only give him three and then Grover loses it. Then Grover loses it. And I'm like, okay, what was the point of this? Was this just to give him hope that he can get his mom out I, of there? Like, I think this was a, a backtrack from the movie. 
because one of the biggest criticisms of the movie was we're going to go search for three pearls for the underworld knowing full well you have four people that you need to take out. And so I think this was a criticism of that and I think this was a way for the audience to be couldn't criticize it. It's a way for the audience to be like, oh, he was given four. Like that was the mentality. That was the reason. And now the reason that the book and all that had to happen, like the way the book happened was because one was lost. See, I get that, but I actually really like that they only gave him three because of the reason you like that the the deadline passed. Because if you give Percy three pearls, it forces him to choose yeah. between the quest and his mom. And so it's like, okay, and especially because in this chapter, he does open the backpack and find the master bolt. So it's like, okay, I have a massive bargaining chip. I can get my mom back and, you know, leave one of my friends behind or whatever. Like I can yeah. get us out of here, out of here. And so, but if you give him three, it's like, I need to choose. Like if you give him four in that moment, he can get everything he wants. But if you give him three, he has to choose between the quest and his mom. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, what do you choose? And so I think that's where really it, it grows in a moment of his like, I'm willing to forego what I want to save the world and to save, you know, the gods from fighting each other. Yeah. And so that's where I think is the big moment that you were talking about with the quest ending. And so I can just slightly that. different. Yeah. I can see that. I think aside from that point, though, there's only one other part of this episode that really ticked me off. And it's a lack what thereof. Was it? I wanted the Ares fight as soon as this was over. I as soon as this episode uh, ended, I was like, no, um, because we knew Ares and Percy were going to fight at the end. And so that's where the prophecy comes true. The last episode starts. We have this whole kind of back and forth between Luke and him in a flashback on um, basically turning the tide of war. Like you have to know the rules of war and that's what warfare is. And then you mm-hmm. see Percy and Ares fighting and being like, first to draw blood, let's do it. And yeah, I think that fight was very well choreographed, very well done to show kind of the menacing nature of Ares mm-hmm. and like the weakness of Percy at this level. And yet even in his weakness, like Percy has a natural knack with Riptide. And it's true. It's, it was such a good scene and a really good one to show Ares. And this is where you had a criticism that we talked about previously. And yeah, I think this I fixes it. I have it. multiple in this fight, actually. Well, you had a previous one from another episode that we had talked about earlier. And that was, you had, you had told me you didn't like that the first time Percy meets Ares in The God Buys His Cheeseburgers, Ares doesn't curse him. And because in the book, yes. he curses him at that, that at that time saying, when you need it the most is when I won't be there or something like that. Uh, yeah, like when, your blade will become heavy or something like that. Yeah. Some, I forget the exact wordings in the book. And in the show, it, it actually makes sense that he didn't curse him at that point because there was no reason there was other than Percy being a hothead, which Ares mm-hmm. would actually kind of like. It's True. not until he wins a fight against the God of War and kind of taunts him. That he's like, oh, you made a you made an enemy today. And so that was my kind of like, oh, 
there's the curse. There's the, mm. you made the enemy of the God of War. And that's what I was True. waiting for. So I did like that. I totally agree. I, I think they fixed that and made that really well um, in that moment. My couple criticisms with this fight. Um, in the book, I pictured it a lot differently. And I actually thought it was a lot cooler in the book. Um, right. Because they like actually like are in the water when they're fighting. Like he's in the surf. And like it's this more drawn out moment where he like Percy like holds back the waves. And so it, it shows how strong he is. And like it does show how strong he is with the the big wave he creates. Um, but I think, it, I don't know. I thought it was really cool because like even he held his own against Ares a little bit for a longer chunk of time um, in the book. It felt like in my in my head. Um, so, but I do like what they did. I, I do like the, the tweaks to it because it made it makes more sense for the the visuals and all of that. Um, but I do like the fight in the book a little bit better. The next change is I think actually more of an overarching because um, even in the, like a God buys his cheeseburger episode, it shows in the book how the gods have modernized um, because like Ares shield, when he gets it back, it changes from a shield to a Kevlar vest, you know, modernizing, showing that they're changing with the times, right? They're in America now, guns, Kevlar, 21st century, you know, all of that. And so like, and he even has like shotguns and like in that scene in the book, when they're about to fight on the beach, Ares walks up with a shotgun and is like, Hey punk, like let's do this. And then Percy pulls out Riptide and then Ares goes, Oh, you want to go old school? And then his shotgun changes to a sword and then they fight. And so I'm like, I like that they've modernized almost. Um, and so I actually thought that was a really cool element in the book and they took it out in the show. Um, again, it's not important. I'm being very nitpicky (laughs) and I'm being nitpicky because this is one of my favorite books of all time. (laughs) Hopefully we'll see it next season though. When we see the, uh, the lion, uh, fur because the lion fur, one of the biggest elements is the lion fur turns into a golden. Well, the, the golden fleece turns into a golden jacket and yes, hopefully we'll kind of see that element start in next season. But yeah, I kind of missed that too, actually, because it honestly just felt like, I don't know. It was just an element that just increased Ares character. I think because he would be one to like go around holding a shotgun. Exactly. And it was like, it it fit his character. Um, I think I, I need to say some things that I really liked about this episode. Um, I really liked, well, first, before I get to that, I didn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, like him going to Olympus part visually beautiful, the dialogue written really well, done really well overall. The changes though, I like in the book, how, when he walks into Olympus, both, uh, Zeus and Poseidon are there and they're like staring each other down. I liked that. I liked the tension there. I liked that drama. Um, and so, but what they did do is really good. So I wish they would have tweaked it a little bit more, but I'll live. It was a great scene. Things I like. Overall, I really liked the episode. I really liked the whole show. Um, I like that when he got back to camp, like the core group were still wondering who the traitor was. Yes. Because they thought it was Clarice in the show. And so they get back to camp and they're like, it's still Clarice. Like, it's still going to be her. Like, oh my gosh. 
And in the book, they kind of drop the ball on that almost because they're like, oh, it's all the day is saved. Yay. And I like that it's not that way in the show. And they actually yeah. have a moment where they're like, this isn't good. And I think that actually goes perfectly into his conversation with Luke where he's like, okay, like let's go, you know, Kyron's over here. Let's go talk to him in private. And it's really, it's a trick from Luke. And I like that he tried to recruit him. I think that was a really nice touch to it because it it adds to once again foreshadowing some stuff. Yes. Percy is needed, like with Kronos. Kronos needs Percy for more than one reason, and I like that Luke is willing to be like, dude, like, come, come with on. me. Yeah, come yeah. on. And I do love the fight, that sword fight at the end. I was like, at first when they started doing that, I was like, man, they're not doing the scorpion, like. The pit yeah. scorpion in that moment is so cool. Like, it's so important. But I actually really enjoyed the fight because it showed, one, how Luke, how Percy has grown as a sword fighter. It showed how good Luke is. And it just set the it, the tempo really well. I was surprised that Annabeth saw everything. That was my And so complaint. I'm like, I was curious about it because I she knew that Luke was evil at the end of the book. Like, she knew it because Percy said it and all that. But she does have a lot of doubts in the second and third and even fourth book, I want to say. And that's where I'm and kind so, of concerned where they're going to go because yeah, she saw it, so she can't have the doubts of, but he can still be a good person. It's more of right the thing right now of, no, I saw you were about to kill him. I know you were trying to recruit him. There's no way around it. And so I'm curious to yeah. see the, the growth in that. Maybe they're just trying to bypass that and just get right into the... Luke's a bad person and maybe Annabeth will be the the voice of reason now being but what if we can get to him so maybe yeah, they're going so, to go that route yeah I'm really curious so yeah so I'm 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 curious overall but we have a while until yeah the, uh, the Did, next season so if um, they do it I don't know if it's confirmed I thought it was greenlit for the full five but I don't know I'm not sure so, before but I, we go, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful. Before we go, because I missed it. Did you catch the mid the mid credit scene? The oh, the um, Gabe finding the box. I I thought they they left that out of the show, and I was kind of upset. And I just now realized I missed the whole mid credit scene, and so Gabe yeah, actually does dope. get petrified. I'm happy about that. <laughs> me too it's such a good moment and it's so funny because we're like yeah a guy died <laughs> but he's the worst <laughs> so yeah, the worst. yeah i'm i was really happy they included it because i was like man where is it come on like where is it? and then i like that it's like we're getting divorced man this is so sad <laughs> Blech, frozen and it was like perfect so yeah. <laughs> i loved uh, it i thought it was great well Thank you for staying with us for a little bit of a longer episode. Um, yeah, we went a little But <laughs> you can tell that we're very passionate about Percy Jackson. Um, Just a little bit. I'm, ex- I'm excited for Sea of Monsters. I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm more so ready for Titan's Curse. That's the one I'm ready for. I'm ready um, for Battle of the Labyrinth and uh, <sighs> Last Olympian. <laughs> like, I know. They're, they're all season good. four. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll see hopefully it's greenlit but um, yeah thanks for joining us Uh, if you enjoy these podcasts if you enjoy listening to us like subscribe comment share do all the social media things all the things 
and uh, catch us every Wednesday next week for Valentine's Day. Oh, we are doing <laughs> we are doing some rom com episode. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll be talking about rom coms in general, kind of current ones, past ones, more modern, more old school. But we will also be at least for my first time watching Sleepless in Seattle. Yep, I've never seen it, and I'm and, really excited. Uh, well, it won't be a whole podcast talking about it, but. At least part of it is going to be talking about one of the most um, well-known rom-coms with Tom Hanks. So, stick with us, because you know, it's all geek to me.